The November election right around the corner with the candidates for president and governor on the debate stage. We'll have a recap, plus we'll talk with congressional candidates on both sides of the aisle, including Congressman Greg Pence and Congressman Andre Carson, and what the VP and Dr. Deborah Burks are saying about the rapidly rising cases of coronavirus in Indiana. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. The candidates for president back on the debate stage Thursday night. At times, a very different debate than the first one a few weeks back, with just nine days now until the election. We'll have a recap. And the vice president voting early in Indianapolis on Friday after making a campaign stop Thursday in Fort Wayne, alongside Governor Eric Holcomb, who took on his opponents in their first of two debates last week. The vice president also talking about the fight against COVID-19. With his visit coming the same day, the state broke Yet another record. Cases have been climbing here in recent days, as you see on the graph. Good morning. I'm Dan Spieler. This week, our stations across the state landed exclusive interviews with both the vice president and with Dr. Deborah Burks from the Coronavirus Task Force as we discussed those record-breaking daily case numbers here in the state of Indiana. We're just going to continue to make sure, as we're seeing some cases rising, across the heartland uh, that, uh, as the governor and I discussed today, uh, that our hospitals, our doctors have all the supplies they need, that our schools have all the testing that they need to keep our kids in the classroom. I know this kind of asking people to continually sacrifice is difficult, but I think in this moment when we can see these cases rising, we have to change our behaviors along with preventing these new cases. You see the numbers, increased test positivity, increased cases, increased hospitalizations, increased fatalities. We have the ability to change that now, and we will as a community of Americans. And the pandemic certainly top of mind at the presidential debate on Thursday night with those cases rising nationwide. Taman Bradley has a recap from Nashville. President Donald Trump and challenger former Vice President Joe Biden laid out their plans to combat the coronavirus, which has claimed the lives of roughly 223,000 Americans. We have a vaccine that's coming. It's ready. I've been congratulated by the heads of many countries on what we've been able to do. Anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. President Trump argued that even as the virus rages, the economy cannot withstand shutting down businesses. Biden jabbed that the president is trying to wish away the virus. He says that we're, uh, you know, we're learning to live with it. People are learning to die with it. It's not my fault that he came here. It's China's fault. Biden opened an attack on President Trump and reports he's only paid a small amount of federal income taxes in recent years. You have not released a single solitary year of your tax return. What are you hiding? Why are you unwilling? The foreign countries are paying you a lot. I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. President Trump threw punches, raising questions about Biden's son's business dealings overseas. And he didn't have a job. As soon as he became vice president, Burisma, not the best look, not the best reputation in the world. I hear they paid him 183000 a month. There's a reason why he's bringing up all this malarkey. There's a reason for it. He doesn't want to talk about the, the, the substantive issues. It's not about his family and my family. It's about your family. Differences emerged on health care. It no longer is Obamacare because without the individual mandate, it's much different. 
pre-existing conditions will always stay. What I'm going to do is pass Obamacare with a public option. It'll become Biden care. The public option is an option that says that if you, in fact, do not have the wherewithal to be, if you qualify for Medicaid and you do not have the wherewithal in your state to get Medicaid, you automatically are enrolled. All right, that was Taman Bradley reporting from the debate in Nashville. Let's also talk right now about the other debate this past week between the candidates for governor here in Indiana. Our number one priority in the state of Indiana is to make sure that we're adequately and appropriately funding our public school system. We are doing that. We need to do more in terms of teacher pay. It's like giving a sandwich to a starving person after 15 years, it tastes good, but it certainly doesn't do the job. It doesn't get us back anywhere close to where we need to be. And we need to make sure that it is funded for them as long as the state constitution says we're providing common schools. During the debate Tuesday night, Dr. Woody Myers announced he would name current state superintendent Jennifer McCormick as his secretary of education if elected. Another big topic, COVID-19 and masks. This is a virus. And you can only do what is easiest and best for you to protect yourself. So the reality is, is the one thing that we do know is that the Constitution is there to protect our individual liberties and make those choices for ourselves. It's government's job to lead. And if I'm your governor, public safety will always be first. Uh, And yes, we do need a real mask mandate in Indiana, a mask mandate with consequences for the small percentage of Hoosiers who choose not to protect themselves or protect others. Our individual liberty needs to be guarded. When that liberty or those actions start to infringe on someone else, that's where we have to take a look at the public safety. It's just like a seatbelt. It's just like wearing shoes in a restaurant. It's just like uh, fire codes. They're meant for safety procedures. We're, we're in an emergency. Now, Indiana's mask mandate remains in place through mid-November and likely for the foreseeable future. Contributing editor Adam Wren wrote about the political impact of the pandemic for Politico magazine in this piece called How Anti-Mask Politics Are Scrambling Indiana's Governor's Race. I spoke with him and Dr. Laura Wilson from the University of Indianapolis about this week's debates and the significance of the VP coming to Indiana to campaign with the governor. I think it's still very much a mystery why Vice President Pence came to uh, Indiana, uh, to Fort Wayne, uh, you know, more than a little more than a week before the election to campaign. Um, You know, there's been some reporting that it was due to, you know, raise money or as a favor to donors, but I haven't seen any sort of fundraiser advised uh, in the hours before or after the event. So, you know, really, you have to wonder whether it was to shore up the governor's support uh, with uh, conservatives in that part of the state. The gubernatorial debate, the presidential debate this past week, what, what stood out to you the most? Yeah, certainly uh, President Trump got the message that interrupting uh, was not the way to go. Uh, we saw him be much more restrained uh, in, in terms of that. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it was quite a tame debate. Uh, you know, it, you have to wonder just, uh, you know, 11 days out, how many minds this debate changed. Generally, I thought both candidates did fairly well um, in, in terms of their receptions. The prep was evident for the campaigns. They had worked on this. And they, I think they, they both of them came off quite well, especially for supporters. Um, you were encouraged. Whoever it was that you liked to begin with, you probably are reaffirmed in that. In terms of moving 
the needle with voters, though, a really important point, especially with early voting in many states, with absentee and, um, and in-person voting, and so many things that are going on, so many people have already voted. The gubernatorial debate, uh, I, I was shocked, quite frankly, that there weren't more questions about the pandemic. If ever there was a moment uh, in the, the life of an average Hoosier where government mattered, whether it was getting unemployment, uh, unemployment money or whether it's getting um, you know, help in terms of uh, the COVID response, uh, we just didn't really get much into that. All right, our thanks to Adam and to Laura. Today, we're also talking about the hotly contested race for Congress in the 5th District. No doubt you've seen all the ads on TV, which means a lot of outside funding in this race. We asked the candidates and Dr. Laura about the impact of all that outside money. Here's Kayla Sullivan with a closer look. The race for Indiana's 5th Congressional District is getting national attention because it's competitive and could impact the overall balance of the U.S. House. It's not particularly unusual to see campaign contributors from other places in the country that recognize an important race. So donors are contributing lots of money. Campaign documents show so far Democrat Christina Hale and Republican Victoria Sparts have both raised well over a million dollars and both are adamant those contributions won't impact their actions in Congress. I think it's important that the voters pay attention to not to the party but to actually to the person and results and what is a proven record. Proud to be endorsed by End Citizens United which is a group dedicated to getting this big dark money out of politics. However, Libertarian candidate Ken Tucker says that questioning is the very reason he has refused to fundraise, even if money is offered to his campaign. I think in the other sense, it's kind of empowering uh, to be just me. And that's all I've asked for from people is to get to know me. And despite the millions being raised in this race, political science professor Laura Wilson says Hoosiers shouldn't be worried. I do think we should be concerned if an overwhelming amount of funding, if if a majority of it was coming from outside the state, but that's not the case in terms of this race. She recommends people don't focus on the money when it comes time to vote. You should look at the candidate and what they stand for. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. All right, we'll have more of those interviews on our In Focus 2020 election preview tomorrow night at 7.30 on Fox 59. Also tomorrow, another big moment for Indiana as we're expecting the Senate confirmation vote for Judge Amy Coney Barrett of South Bend. Both of Indiana's senators saying they will vote to confirm Barrett to the Supreme Court. We'll have coverage for you right here tomorrow. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll look at the latest numbers in the race for president and at the all-important electoral college map as our panel talks about the impact the Midwest will play in this year's election. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're looking at the all-important electoral college map right now. The states in red are the states that President Trump won in 2016. He wins if he wins all those states again. The states in blue are the ones Hillary Clinton won four years ago. Essentially, the Biden campaign hoping that they can flip these three states, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. They have leads in the polls right now in those three Rust Belt states. And as you see, if they flip those three, they've got 278 enough to win the White House. That's the easiest path to 270 for the Biden campaign and the path they're focusing on here. Let's bring in our panel right now as we continue to talk about this week's news. Rima Shahid, Tony Samuel, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston with us today. And let's start with Rima, who's the executive director of Women for Change Indiana. What does all of this say about the importance 
of the Midwest. And how did the president and the former VP do on the debate stage Thursday night trying to win over undecided voters in Michigan and in Pennsylvania? Yeah, so I think that the nationwide polls, they only show the popular vote. What we know is from the out of the last five presidents, two of them have really been folks that have lost the popular vote um, and, and the loser goes, goes to the White House. And so it's really interesting. I think that the polls don't say a lot. They only do say what people intend to do at the end of the day. And so it really matters right now is for people to get out the vote. I think what's interesting here in Indiana is that we really have competitive state house races up and down the ballot. All the women of the fifth state Senate races, Hamilton County and Marion County have interesting races um, and they're very competitive for the first time in, in a decade or so. And so I think this shows how much redistricting has hurt the state of Indiana and how competitive races do turn out the vote. And what kind of impact might the presidential race have on some of these uh, down-ballot races, Tony? Well, I think it's going to be uh, good for all of the down-ballot uh, races that Donald Trump is going to uh, continue to surge, continue to overtake Biden in the polls. Um, remember, my point has been that the points are, uh, the polls are skewed in uh, Joe Biden's favor. Uh, we're seeing what what uh, is happening now is similar to what happened in 2016, and there's that hidden Trump vote. And let me tell you about those states specifically. Uh, the Boilermakers Union has endorsed Donald Trump in Pennsylvania. Joe Biden tried to lie and say that they were for him, and they clearly uh, corrected him on that. Um, manufacturing is the reason that Trump is going to win those three states in the Midwest, including Ohio, and I will throw Minnesota in there. Uh, Donald Trump also huge uh, support for law enforcement and law enforcement supporting him. So we've seen what's happened in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Also in Michigan, uh, a, a Democrat governor that's trying to shut everything down, uh, churches, uh, schools. Uh, people are uh, opposed to that. And those folks are energized for Donald Trump. That's why he's going to win all of those Midwest, Midwest states. Robin, what, what are your thoughts on what we saw on the debate stage Thursday night and how that plays out here, here in the Midwest? Well, I think it plays out well for, for Joe Biden. Pennsylvania is his home state. Um, and his campaign headquarters is in Philadelphia. Former President Obama campaigned over there uh, last week. So, you know, that's clearly a battleground state. In Michigan, Tony left out a major fact. There are 13 people in jail today, maybe 12, maybe one got out, that were all being charged by the FBI for trying to abduct and possibly try the Democratic governor for her actions. I think the residual of that has been, look how well the Biden campaign is now doing in Michigan. Wisconsin was where we were going to have our national convention. It's now at play. Record turnout among African-Americans in Milwaukee, which we did not have in 16. And then the threat of the president to change the tires on, on uh, the beast, his car, has resonated in north, northern Ohio, where there are people that make tires every day. So I think the Midwest is no longer flyover territory. I think it's going to be battleground territory. And, and keep your eyes on Ohio on election night for Joe Biden also. We're going to see the president and the former VP tonight on 60 Minutes. Mike, uh, will this last debate have any impact? A lot of people have already voted this year. Well, about 40 million people, Dan, have already voted, um, slightly more. In Indiana, about a million people have voted. 
I don't think the debate uh, made that big of a difference for people who who uh, who have yet to vote. I will say though, the biggest mistake that was made in the entire uh, debate on Thursday night was when Joe Biden said he's going to get real rid of the uh, oil industry. It's an unforced error. If if he loses, I will suggest he's going to lose because the people of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Oklahoma, Texas, and other oil-dependent states um, find that to be very offensive. And, of course, certainly, Rima, the coronavirus very much top of mind in this race for president and in the race for governor, with cases really climbing here in Indiana. Yeah, I think so. I think the the fact is, is that the response in terms of containing this pandemic was up to the executive branch in Washington, D.C. and here in Indiana, up to the governor's office. The day that they had the rally in Fort Wayne was one of the highest days that we've had in terms of in terms of cases here in Indiana since the spring. And the fact is that there was not many masks there, not many social distancing And folks really have to think about the fact that we are at stage five, but our numbers show higher than in the spring. And I think Hoosiers are at risk every single day. And something really has to be done to contain this critical pandemic that's really taking the lives of so many Hoosiers and Americans. Tony, a lot has been made about uh, the vice president's trip to Fort Wayne with uh, just 12 days until the election. Indiana is not a swing state. Uh, Was that, do you think, about uh, helping Governor Holcomb as well? No, I think Governor Holcomb is fine. I think it was more about, um, remember, he was going to try to vote a couple of weeks ago, and then right. and, uh, for various reasons, they had to reschedule that. And so it was, it was rescheduled, and he voted on uh, Friday morning. So I think just swinging down from Michigan, he had an event in Michigan, made sense to uh, stop in Fort Wayne and, and, and do a, you know whatever else you can do in Indiana since you had to be there to vote. And then uh, on uh, Saturday, yesterday, he was off to Ohio and Pennsylvania. I'll make a point on the coronavirus numbers. Yes, they're increasing. They're increasing around the world. But remember, the president mentioned it uh, uh, Thursday night, 99% of people recover. Uh, 99.9% of our youth recover. Uh, also, this uh, the second wave is less, uh, uh, there are less viral particles in the strain. It's weaker. And, uh, and our, our, our therapeutics are better than ever. Um, so more, less people are hospitalized, less people are dying uh, around the world. And uh, the U.S. has led in providing ventilators, providing okay. PPE, providing uh, all of those things, hospitals and building hospitals throughout this pandemic. We're hopeful, but still uh, so much we don't know about this pandemic as those numbers do continue to increase. Okay, we're going to bring the panel back for this week's winners and losers coming up in just a few minutes. But up next, we're going to look at some more of these races for Congress. We're one-on-one with the candidates for Congress in the 6th Congressional District, including the Vice President's brother, and also in the 7th District. Stick around. We'll be right back. Well, today we're looking at some of the races for Congress across the Hoosier State. Earlier, we talked about the 5th District race. Let's go to District 6. The woman running for Congress against Vice President Pence's brother says she's been getting harassed on the campaign trail. Democrat Janine Lee Lake is running against Republican Congressman Greg Pence. She says she's received racist and threatening messages. It's really sad that someone that is living, breathing, walking the same earth and breathing the same air that I do would take time out of their day, literally, to use it um, to insult me. I don't condone that at all. That's not the way I roll. I don't believe in it. I don't think people should treat other people that way. 
Pence is asking the Delaware County prosecutor to conduct a full investigation. We also spoke with Pence and Lake about their campaigns for Congress. I'm a moderate Democrat. Um, I believe in Second Amendment rights. Um, I believe that every citizen, no matter who you are, should be treated under the same level of protection under the banner of the Constitution. I will fight hard for you. We do have an economic crisis that affects many of our small businesses. So my team and I of 14 people, we've been focused this year in particular on addressing those issues, not so much the politics and, you know, the back and forth stuff. All right. Meantime, in the 7th District, Democratic Congressman Andre Carson is running for another term against Republican candidate Susan Smith. It's a position I never take for granted. Uh, I go to Washington, D.C. with a deep sense of service and commitment. I am one who can cross the aisle, and I would work to do it and not allow it to be just uh, one of which this side of the party says this and this not, but really to address it. All right, we're going to preview more of those races for Congress on our In Focus election preview tomorrow night at 7.30 on Fox 59. We'll be right back with this week's winners and losers after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Robin, I'll start with you. Kristen Welker, who did a great job moderating the debate. Losers are Republicans in state after state who are trying to prevent people from voting. Tony? My winner is Donald Trump for winning the debate, and he did it because he talked about the issues, especially the economy. Loser, loser is uh, Joe Biden, uh, and because of every, all the corruption that's coming out from the Hunter Biden scandals and the Tony Bobulinski uh, confirmation of the emails and the scandals. A lot of that's still being hashed out. Rima? The winner is definitely has to be the moderator. It just shows that women get the job done. We do what men are not able to do. And the loser is the Senate. I think that the American people have the right to choose the new justice. And this goes against precedence. It's a disappointing. Confirmation vote tomorrow. Mike? The winner has to be President Trump for brokering uh, peace between Sudan and Israel. The loser is a guy you may never have heard of. John Jacob, running for state rep on the south side of Indy, has declared that uh, the Catholic Church is the church of Satan and that all Catholics are going to hell. Not good politics. Some controversy over that. All right, Mike, Rima, Robin, Tony, thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll see you tomorrow night on our election special on Fox 59 and next Sunday in Focus.